Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. I hope that you are ready to get into the Word this morning for just a little bit uh, and dig into the next part of our series on Kingdom Culture from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we're, we're getting ready for our last week of 21 Days of Prayer. And uh, it's been a great, great time so far. Uh, I don't know about you, I have loved being able to spend extra time in the presence of God and pray for some things and have some specific focuses to go after. Um, If you haven't engaged yet with prayer, it's not too late. We have a full week ahead of us to be able to pursue God. And so if you haven't yet, I would really, really challenge you to get involved with prayer for this last week. Um, This is a season where we will get out of it what we put into it, meaning we will experience God speak in some ways that we've never heard before if we commit the time, commit the focus into uh, praying in this season and seeking him. I'd really challenge you to do that over this next week. Just finish out strong and uh, and let's go after God together um, as we just as we pray. Um, in Africa, there was, there was a little boy, and someone came up to the boy one day and said, uh, boy, you should be praying. And the little boy was like, well, I've never, I've never prayed before. I don't even know what that means. What does it mean to pray? So he, he went home, and, and he sat in the corner of his little cabin, and his mom was there. And, and pretty, soon, pretty soon, she heard him saying A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. And she, she stopped him and was like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? His response was, well, mom, they said that I had to pray, but I don't know what to say. So I prayed to God and I said, Lord, I'm going to give you the whole alphabet. Please make some sort of a great prayer out of it. (laughs) I love that story. I love the simplicity of faith that kids have when it comes to prayer. And I think we can learn a lot. I think all of us can relate in one way. You know, we don't always know what to pray, right? We don't always know what words am I supposed to say? Take all this jumbled mess and, and do something with it. Well, thankfully we have the Holy Spirit who interprets for us to God. And so that's, that's an amazing thing that we have. But I thought that was really cute, you know. So when in doubt, if you ever feel stuck in your prayer, just pray the alphabet and then just say, God, I gave you all the letters, make into it what you want. <laughs> Um, there was a, uh, husband and wife, uh, Willem and Elizabeth, and, uh, they lived in Harlem just outside of, outside of Amsterdam in 1837. Uh, and by trade, Willem was a Dutch master watch and clock maker. Uh, his wife Elizabeth and he opened their own little shop and they had an apartment right above it where their family lived. Uh, beginning in 1844, uh, the family opened their little home for weekly prayer gatherings with Christians to specifically believe and pray uh, over the, uh, the ancient prophecies of the Bible over Jerusalem. And specifically, they, they prayed for Psalm 122.6, which says, Pray for peace of Jerusalem. May those who love her be secure. And they led their gathering in prayers for the holy city, its inhabitants, and Jews that were scattered all over the world. And they did this for a long time. Well, even after their life, their son Casper and his young wife Cornelia, they continued this tradition with, along with their children, Betsy, Corey, Noli, and Willem. 
Well, during World War II, the family had an opportunity to really live out what Christian living really meant when they opened their home as a refuge for Jews and members of the Dutch underground who were running from the Nazis. Through this, their family and their friends, they were able to save an estimated 800 Jews from the Nazis. 800 Jews and many of the, the Dutch underground as well. Well, the last of these weekly prayer uh, meetings for Jerusalem uh, took place exactly 100 years to the day from when Willem and Elizabeth first did, did the first one. Uh, this long tradition it tragically ended on February 28th of 19 or of 1844 when the Nazis invaded their home and 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 took them, uh, and the only person that escaped was their granddaughter Corrie Ten Boom. The Ten Boom family they led 5,200 intercessory prayer meetings on behalf of the city of Jerusalem and the people of the Promise. 5,200 meetings over a hundred years. That's, that's something we can't even fathom or wrap our heads around sometimes. 5,200 meetings, a hundred years. And not only that, they did not actually see the fulfillment of their prayers in their lifetime. But that didn't stop them from praying. That didn't stop them from interceding. This is just an amazing thing that I think a lot of times we have a hard time wrapping our head around. And one of the reasons I think is because we live in such a fast paced, fast food, uh, microwave driven culture where the idea of waiting and being persistent on something and not seeing the result of right away is lost. We don't have the ability to just wait on something. We don't have the ability to persistently believe for something if it does not happen right now. The kingdom of this world craves the instantaneous, the, the immediate gratification. That's what our world is all about. And not only that, but even beyond that, if something doesn't happen now, if I can't have it now, it's actually look at, at, looked at as broken or dysfunctional. I mean, even prepping for this message, there was a book that I wanted to get uh, with, with some of the stories of, of Corey Tenboom and the family. And I went to get it and they didn't have it available in an ebook or a digital download. So I couldn't even get the book. The only thing they had was a, paper, a paperback copy that, you know, it's two to three days out on Amazon Prime. And I found myself going, no, I need it. I need it now like i need it now as I'm, as i'm prepping and preparing and so i even caught some of that on my very own you know just just sensing that amazon if you think about it like originally they they sold books and it took you a couple weeks to get a book well now we have amazon prime and you can get something in two to three days well in larger cities and and it's coming here and in portland where we came from there was uh, amazon now and what Amazon now was, is if you needed something right now and you couldn't wait for two to three day shipping, well, what you would do is you would just order it and in an hour or two hours, they would bring it to wherever you are, right? You, you, I need that USB thumb drive so bad that I need it in an hour. Everything is now, now, now. And it's in this that Jesus is addressing the kingdom of the world versus the kingdom of heaven when it comes to time, persistence and diligence. And one of the realities of this whole thing is that what the world, what the kingdom of this world says is dysfunctional, the kingdom of heaven calls faith. 
And this is what Jesus addresses here on the Sermon on the Mount when he digs into this. Matthew 7 is where he picks this up and he says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. But notice what he puts in there. He puts the phrase, keep on, keep on. It's not just a one and done prayer that we throw up and then hope that somehow God hears it and answers our prayers. He says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And sometimes what happens is if we're not careful, we put a time frame on the answer to our prayer. And what happens is when we do that, sometimes we actually miss the answer to our prayer because we're so focused on the time frame of which the answer is supposed to be given based off of what we think. And we miss God actually answering our prayers. And so as we dig into understanding what persistent prayer means, we have to understand that there is something that challenges our faith and challenges our worldly culture to actually believe different and believe from a kingdom perspective, which is sometimes really hard to do with where we live. There's three ingredients to persistent prayer that I'm going to talk over, and these aren't the only three ingredients, but these are three that I want to highlight today. The first of these is how we see God, how we see God. And the reason I say that is this, is that our image of God will determine our diligence in prayer. A.W. Tozer in one of his books writes this, the most pretentious fact about any man or woman is not what he or she at any given time may say or do, but what they in their deep heart conceive God to be like. Each one of us has a conception. We conceive God to be a certain way. We have predispositions to what we think God is like. And that comes from our relationship with people. Many of us, it comes from our past and, and, and our family and all of this kind of stuff. It all works together. And for, for, for many of us too, it comes from our interpretation of experiences that we have had with God. Not what God has done, but our interpretation of what those things are. Our persistent prayer is driven by an accurate image of God. This is the only thing that will cause us to have a persistent prayer life is when we get the image of God right. And the only place that we can get an accurate image of God is in the scripture. We have to go back to what does the scripture say, say about the character of God? What does the scripture say God is like? And that's what we have to align ourselves to. We can't align ourselves to what other people cause us to believe or think about God. We can't put an image of an earthly person on a heavenly God. We have to come back to saying, what does scripture say about God? And that has to be what guides and directs us. So how do you see God? How do you view him? What image do you have? Do you see him as someone that not only can, has the power to answer prayer, but also has the sovereignty to do it in the way and the timing that he has? Man, I, I, this challenges me, and I'm sure this challenges you to where we have to actually say, do I actually view God as someone who can answer prayer, but do I actually view him and do I pray in a way that says he knows best 
how we see God. The second ingredient is this, what God sees in us. What God sees in us. Here's what I mean by that. When God looks at our life, he's looking for consistency. He's looking for consistency. Consistency in, in our prayer life, consistency in our devotional life, consistency in the, the, the peace and the joy of the Holy Spirit that we carry with us, consistency of how we treat other people. He's looking for consistency. Why? Well, when it comes to prayer specifically, the persistence of our prayer shows the consistency of our faith. God is actually looking for you to come more than one time to seek him on any given topic. He's actually looking to see, do you have faith that will bring you back to prayer to him? Or do you have something that's just a one-off, you threw it up and you moved on with life? He's looking at that and to see what happens. He wants our faith to be attached to action because only when our faith is attached to action is it real faith. And this is what he's looking for in our lives. And God is saying, how important is this to you? You have, a, you have a family member, you have a friend who doesn't know me and you want them to know me. How important is that to you? You are struggling with a terminal illness or chronic pain or a friend that is struggling with chronic illness or, or, or chronic pain. How much do you actually care about that? You want to be set free from addiction in your life? How much do you actually care about that? And I'm looking, this is what God's saying, I'm looking at your life to see if I can notice faith in me that doesn't wane and go away. And this is the power of what happens when, when God looks in us. So we need to be positioned to say, yes, I have consistent faith in God. The third ingredient is this, is trust. Do we actually trust God? Because when we trust God, we will persistently ask, seek, and knock, knowing that God can answer our prayer and that he will answer it in the way that he sees best as our Father. You and I can't say that we trust God and then hold on to our idea of how our prayers should be answered. It's impossible. See, we have to trust both God's ability and his sovereignty. But what happens is I, we have to come to a place of trusting his process, trusting his sovereignty, trusting the way that he does things. Because a lot of times we're not looking at stuff through his filter. We're not looking through his perspective. We're looking through our lens. And our lens is so many times crowded and clouded by so many other things. We have to be able to have his perspective. And this is why we trust God, because this is the next part of what uh, Jesus said here in Matthew 7, verse 9. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you good gifts to those who ask him? The promise is that if we trust in God's ability and his sovereignty, then there are good gifts that are coming our way.
And this is really hard. And it goes back to a little bit about what dad was talking about with the temptations last week is the temptation of self-reliance because it's really easy for me to figure out how to take care of myself, to answer my own prayers by human means. And so we have to yield that to say, I trust God that he has the best way of doing my life. He has the best way in order for me to live life and I don't have to manage it and I don't have to be responsible to guide it in any special direction because he is the one who's guiding me. But it takes surrender and trust in God to be able to do that. We have a Father in heaven who loves us and is waiting for us to engage our faith and to place our trust in him. Imagine the ten booms, going back to the the story. Imagine if they, after one year, one year, let's just say one year, six months, holy cow, how many of us could even go six months praying consistently? Oh my goodness. After a year and not seeing results said, well, this isn't working, so we're just going to give up. But for a hundred years, praying persistently for an answer to be seen. It's incredible to look at the the, the writings and the the works of Corrie ten Boom years later. And to see the, the faith that wells up in her. And she became really a heroine for, for faith. She became a, a heroine for prayer and persistent prayer. Not giving up until you see an answer that takes place in your life. She was an amazing, incredible example of what it means to have persistent prayer. We do not always realize how important intercession is in Second Chronicles 7, 14, we read that God says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I don't know if I had much faith in that time, but I'm so glad that God does not ask us to have a great faith. When people say to me, you must have a great faith, I always say, no, my faith is not great, but I have faith in a great God. Well, as we conclude today, I'm I'm, I'm just simply going to pray that God helps us to grow in our faith, to grow in our trust of Him. God, you know where each of us are at. You know where we stumble. You know where we fall short. You know where our faith lacks. And God, we come today to you and ask for a greater level of faith, a greater level of trust in you. Not only that you can do it, but that you will do it in your time. God, we bring anything that we have in our heart where maybe we've been trying to think through things from our perspective and we yield those things to you. We lay them at your feet, Father, and we declare that we trust your ability and your sovereignty above all else. So Father, would you come and do a work in our hearts today? Lord, would you cause us to increase in the area of faith? Would you cause us to increase in the area of persistent prayer in our life? Lord, that we would be challenged to not stop, to not give up, 
that we would have the right image of you and that you would, when you look at us, would see consistent faith in how we approach you, Father. We love you. We thank you for this time. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.